after the success of our first virtual coaches training and people wanting to know if we're going to be doing another one, I've decided, yes, let's do this. Coming up on July 8th, I'll be hosting another virtual coaches training and Q&A. We'll start off talking about a variety of different training techniques to implement at your practices. The first time you set up a drill, they're just learning how the drill works. If you were to just set up the same exact drills you did last time, you would see how much more productive it is. It's called getting better at getting better. So what you want to do is come in, set up the same drill and go, hey guys, we're going to do the same thing we set up last time and watch, well, one, they'll set the drills up a lot faster, but they have that familiarity with it and they're going to be able to get better at getting better. Not to mention, we'll also talk about the things that you want to talk about. Sonia, go ahead and give us your thoughts on the training. I just thought the opening with the quiz questions alone was a good way to evaluate myself as a coach and look at my perspective. Every question I ask myself, do I actually do this? Can I do this? How will I do this? The discussion in the training just gave me new ideas and ways to implement a practice and I'm hoping that it will show useful throughout the season. So just thanks so much for the timing of the training and really appreciate your help. Guys, sign up now. Like last time, I want to keep the group small so it's super beneficial to everyone on the call. So first come, first serve, link in the show notes. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin, where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, let's get started. Turn it up and tune in into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. Joining the show now, we have Coach Levi. Levi, man, welcome to the show. What up, what up, what up? Super honored to be here, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, for sure, man. This is this is super cool. This is super cool. Glad to have you on. Um, we haven't had, you know, honestly, much interaction with each other. So I'm I'm honestly right. excited to get to know you through this episode. You know, share you with our audience and you know, hopefully you can share all the knowledge that you have that you have with them. So um First, tell the people who you are and the different hats you have worn in the industry. Sure. My name is Levi Nixon, a.k.a. The Coach Levi, a.k.a. The Tumble Whisperer. Um, just a caveat there, <laughs> The Tumble Whisperer, I hate that name. Like, I'm not going to lie. I really <laughs> don't like that name. But over the past couple years, so many people that have come to me are like, oh my gosh, you're like The Tumble Whisperer, that, you know, I've just accepted it. So anyway, yeah. so I've just, I roll with you it. Gotta, you got to lean uh, into it. Yeah. I do, man. And people, they... <laughs> They say it anyway, so I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll accept it. Uh, but I am out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I own a gym here, Strictly Tumbling. It's called Tumble Smart. I opened it back in 2015, and I really just focus on helping athletes with their tumbling, primarily cheerleaders. But, you know, every once in a while I have some gymnasts and uh, other recreational tumblers or whoever wants to tumble that's who I work with but primarily cheerleaders I actually started my coaching career in 2010 at Twist and Shout here in Tulsa and I from there just um, have just fell in love with the industry and with coaching and just with helping not only athletes but helping 
parents, educating parents, helping other coaches that are wanting to continue to hone their skills and improve their craft as a coach. So I just have a passion for for coaching tumbling men. And over my whole career, I really have loved working with kids that are dealing with mental blocks. Typically coaches, they kind of steer away from kids that are dealing with any level of extreme fear with their tumbling. But I've gravitated towards those athletes and those athletes have gravitated towards me. And over the past really two years, I've become uh, well known around the nation as the coach that can help kids to navigate mental blocks. And Mm -hmm. so I have kids on a weekly basis from all over the nation come travel to work with me. And that's what I do, man, really specialize in the mental, emotional aspect of tumbling. That pretty much sums it up, man. There we go. Well, let's get into it. We got M coming up. So maybe M will be for mental blocks. We'll we'll see. We'll find out. So but let's start it off with K and K, although it doesn't sound like it starts with a K. K is for knowledge. So Levi, how do you keep growing your knowledge? And you know, what uh, different resources do you tap into to just continue to grow your knowledge as a coach? Yeah, the first thing that I would say in order to continue growing my knowledge as a coach is I try my best to remain humble and not feel like I know it all because then that allows me to continue to learn. I read any kind of sports psychology books, even if it's not related to directly to tumbling, but any any kind of sports psychology I get my hands on. There's this one particular book that's called uh, the I don't know the exact title. I think it's The Psychology of Gymnastics. Mm-hmm. But that book is very, very, very good. Even though it's talking about gymnastics, it's very applicable to cheerleading and just tumbling in general. So I read, I educate myself through really watching other coaches. Now, something that I make sure I never write off another coach's knowledge. So let me give an example. Um, I have a I have a coach that uh, he actually works for me. He's one of my coaches here at Tumble Smart, and I actually coached him whenever he was in high school and whenever he was going through uh, his All Star career. And now, when I look at him, I actually learned so much from him. Although I taught him a lot of of his own tumbling. Plus I've taught him how to coach, but now as he's continued growing as a coach, I'm telling you, man, like I learned from him every day. Um, Mm -hmm. I have tons of, of athletes that have gone from students into coaching and there's things that they do that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've never thought about that. So going back to, you know, just remaining humble and always willing to learn from other people. I think that's key for me personally to continue my knowledge. There we go. Absolutely love it. Let's move on. Moving right along. Let's get to L. So L we've got the lunge and the lever. Not sure which direction you want to go with this, but you can attack one of them. You can attack both of them. The lunge and the lever. Let's hear it. Yes. So I'm going to kind of come at this one at a different angle. The lunge and the lever are both obviously foundational, fundamental skills to tumbling. So pretty much anything that you learn from your handstands and cartwheels and different things, you're going to be utilizing uh, the lunge and the lever. But I would, I would, wrap this up into more so the importance of fundamentals in general. Uh, Here at TumbleSmart, I have a mini slash beginners program. And in that program, we do focus on specifically those two foundational skills. And those things, they build upon everything else that we do. So we have a ton of different 
uh, drills and things that we have the kids do to build those strong positions. But to kind of stack on top of that, we do it in a way that makes it fun. Um, when you're mm-hmm. starting with really young kids, they don't understand what they're doing necessarily. It's hard for them to grasp the importance of this, how this is going to help them to be a better tumbler in the future. So, you know, you have a lot of, like I have this, I had this little boy uh, to give you a, a real life example. I had this little boy come in not long ago and the only thing he wanted to learn was a backflip. He was like, coach, if I don't care about anything else, like I just, I just want to learn backflip. And this kid is maybe like five or six. And so I took him over, over to the side just to, you know, have him, to allow him to have a good time. And I just like cross spotted him and just like flipped him over on, on a backflip a couple of times. But then once he got into the program, what we do is we have uh, what we call a ribbon program. So it kind of gives the kids something to work towards. So they see, Oh my gosh, I want to get my body position ribbon. So in order for them to get that body position ribbon, there's a certain amount of sub skills that they have to do within that in order to receive that. And then we'll test the kids and tell them, Hey, if you don't, we'll, we'll ask them, for instance, if we tell them, hey, we want you to stand in a lunge position. If they don't know what that means or they stand in a lunge position, their arms aren't up by their ears, they don't have the, the proper amount of bend in their leg or those different things, then guess what? They don't get that ribbon or they, they don't pass the test that week. So we really focus on building these these strong foundational skills so that in the future, myself, or any other tumbling coach doesn't have to go back and work out all those bad habits out of them as any tumbling coach has had to do, you know, if you, you work with a kid that has bad habits. So and I was speaking yeah. to a lot of people right now. So that's what, you know, I think just, just the importance of those foundational things at a young age, very important. There we go. All right, here we go. Let's, um, let's keep it moving along. Now we're on to M mental blocks. All right, here we go, Levi. Ah, shocker. So let's hear it, man. So M mental blocks, talk to us. So Jason, let's do this. Let's role play for a moment. All right. Okay. I want you to be, let's say that you're a kid that you, at one point you had a round off back handstand back tuck. Mm -hmm. You fell on your handspring tuck a year and a half ago, and ever since then, you've just had like this major block on doing a back tuck. Luckily, you're still hanging on to the back handspring, so every once in a while, you still have some issues connecting a back handspring, but for the most part, you still do a round off handspring, you still got your standing skills. In fact, you have all, all your level two skills. Mm-hmm. So you've been on a level two skill for, or a level two team for the past two years and you get you're having all this pressure from your mom that's like you've been on this level two team for for two years it's time for you to move on we need to level up so this mom's putting all this pressure on on you jason to do your handspring tuck right Mm -hmm. so that's that just kind of sets the scene so as that athlete just how would you feel how would you feel right or how do you feel right now as that i feel like i want to do my tuck i feel like it might be a little easier if i didn't have all this pressure on me but i do want to do my tuck but i feel like there's all this pressure on me yeah and are you are you scared of falling on your head again Uh, uh, if if that's what happened to you yeah i'm a little scared i think about it every day of my life (laughs) by the time i fell on my neck (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this. Do you do, do you connect it typically with the spot? If a coach is standing there, he's spotting you, will you do your handspring tuck in those situations? If my coach is spotting me, I I will do it most of the time. Sometimes I don't always do it, but I'll do it most of the time if my coach is spotting me. Sure. Okay. Perfect. All right. So I want you to tell me, how 
do you do a round off back handspring back tuck? Let's let's say you come out of your handspring. I want you to make it as simple as possible. Don't get super complicated and deep with it. You come out of your back handspring. Give me a couple things that you do to make a tuck happen. My coach, my former coach when I was an all-stars told me this. You you go up and you tuck. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are my, okay. that's what I'm doing. I go up and I tuck. Okay, that's simple enough. I'll take that. So you come out of your handspring, you rebound up. And in, in your mind, you know all the little details with your arms up and setting in the proper angle. And then you tuck your legs, you kick your knees up to get to rotate from the bottom up. And you don't want to come down too early with your arms and yada, 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 all those things. But we want to keep it as simple as possible. You go up and you tuck. And what does that equal if you do that? A, a tuck, a back, a round fanching tuck. Yeah, a back, back tuck. tuck. Yeah. Yeah. Round of hands, free tuck. Okay. So now this is what I want you to tell me. What is one plus one? No matter what, right? No matter what. Okay, so now let's say that you're walking down a dark alley and somebody comes up to you and they're about to mug you and they're holding a gun to your head. (laughs) And in order to spare your life, they ask you what one plus one is. What is it going to equal? It's still going to equal one. I might freeze though, or it's still going to equal two, but I might freeze though. Right. You're gonna you're going to you're gonna be freaked out, but you still know that it equals two. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you say two and it spares your life, right? Yeah. So does it matter how you feel? Does that change the formula? It didn't change the formula, how I felt, no. Okay, so yes, no matter how you feel, it doesn't change the formula. You're gonna be scared, but it doesn't change what one plus one equals. Now this is what you hear all the time. Whenever a tumbler is doing a skill, how many times have you heard as this athlete that's scared to do their handspring tuck, how many times has a coach or your mom or your teammate looked at you dead in the eyes and told you, don't be scared? Yeah, you hear it. You know, kids struggling with mental blocks. So me in this instance, you hear it every day. Every day. Yep. For the past year and a half, however long you've been dealing with Mm -hmm. this, every single day, your mom looks at you, your coach looks at you, don't be scared. When has that ever helped? If someone told you, don't be scared, (laughs) when was it like, oh, thank you. That's exactly what I need to hear. I'm, you know what, bet, you know, I'm just going to go do my handspring tuck right now. Has that ever happened? It doesn't happen more often than not. You know, if it does happen, it's very few times. Yes. So this is the problem. Most tumblers, they try to control their emotions because that's what they're told to do. They're told, don't be scared. So whenever they go to do the skill and they're still scared, they're like, but I'm still scared. And they won't do the pass and they'll say, I'm I'm scared. We know that you're scared. So this is the thing. This is the difference. You cannot control the way that you feel. You cannot control your emotional reaction. But one thing that you can control, Jason, Mm -hmm. athlete, that's struggling with your mental block. One thing that you can control is you can control what you think. Mm -hmm. Now it's not easy, but I'm going to teach you how. In fact, you already know how, because I kind of set the stage for you. When you come out of your backhand spring, or let's say a a round off backhand back tuck, how long does that last from point A to point B? A second, not even two seconds, two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 1.5 seconds. Yeah. The round of handspring tuck's done. So you don't have a lot of time to think. There's a thinking scale is what I call it. Two incorrect ways of thinking from my opinion. Another thing you hear coaches say, don't think about it. Just do it. Don't think. Just go. In my opinion, that's bad advice. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, you have overthinking, which is primarily what kids do that are dealing with any kind of level of anxiety around tumbling. They overthink. Now, right there in the middle of those two things is just think. Mm-hmm. Whenever I asked you, how do you do a round off back handspring back tuck? And you told me when you come out of your handspring, you go up and you tuck. 
And we both agreed it doesn't matter how you feel, you're going to have that same outcome every single mm -hmm. time as long as you do those two things. And now the, the thing is, you don't have very much time to think about it. So if you're standing there in the corner about to do your tumbling pass, you're thinking about what your tumbling coach is doing, where he's standing at. You're thinking about whenever I get in the car, my mom's going to be asking me about doing this handspring tug. You're thinking about the way that you feel. And yes, that fear is going to be there. So it's okay that it's there, but you're focusing on that. What's the one thing that you're not thinking about? Your tuck. You're not thinking about your tuck. Yeah. You're thinking about everything other than the tuck. And you don't have time to think about all those things because you only have 1.5 seconds <laughs> to think in that moment. So when you go and you come out of your back handspring and you rebound up and you kick your knees up into your tuck position, if you can think about that. Now, here's the thing. I want you to go into the gym with confidence, but the problem is when kids go into the gym with all this confidence and more so like just this positive self-talk and I, those things are good. Don't get me wrong. Those things are good to do, but they go in, they're like, okay, today's the day. I'm going to do this handspring tuck. I'm feeling really good about it. I meditated today. My mom told me all these, you had, had me listen to Tony Robbins and all <laughs> these things. You get in there, you're standing in the corner. You come out of your back handspring and boom, that fear hits you. You hit that wall. You feel like you're stuck in quicksand. Then what are you going to do from there? Because you're like, oh my gosh, I, I had all of the positive self-talk. I felt so good. I felt so confident coming to the gym, but the fear was still there. Mm -hmm. You need to expect for it to be there. So when it's there and when, whenever that wall is there, you can think about what you're doing in that moment and apply the formula. As long as you apply the formula, remember, it doesn't matter how you feel. One plus one equals two, no matter if I just ask you like this or someone's holding a gun to your head. It doesn't matter. It stays the same. It doesn't matter if you're the most confident tumbler in the world or you lack the most confident tumbling in the world. When you come out of your back handspring, if you physically rebound up, and you tuck your legs, and you do it with the proper technique, of course, we're just simplifying it, but you do those two things, that is going to equal a back tuck. So if you expect for that wall to be there, then you can think your way through it. Mm -hmm. That's the problem that happens with most athletes is they have this expectation of when I go into the gym, I'm not supposed to be scared. If I come out of my handspring and the fear is still there, it means I can't do it. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do from there. So stop trying to control how you feel and start controlling what you think about. And now that's easier said than done. You're still going to have all those intrusive thoughts. You're still going to go down those paths of negativity in your head, but you have the ability to bring it back to, to be present in that moment, thinking about whatever formula is for whatever skill you're doing. I have kids put formulas together for whatever they're doing, handsprings, tucks, layouts, fulls, double fulls, anything. You put a formula together, as long as you follow that, you're going to be good. Now, speaking back to Jason, the athlete that fell on your neck, would you like to have a guarantee? Would it make you feel better if you had a guarantee that you would not fall on your, your neck again? I, I would probably prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is the thing. Who is in control of your body? Uh, me as the athlete. Yeah. You're in control of your body, right? So if you don't want to fall on your neck, I'm going to tell you how not to fall on your neck. Now that moment, whenever you did fall on your neck, Probably what happened, and I don't know the exact situation, but one of a few things happened. Either one, you weren't thinking, which happens a lot of times if, if an athlete is just, they're tired and they've been going all day or they have a lot on their mind. You just weren't thinking. So you came out of your handspring, you rebound up and you're just like, 
I don't know what I'm doing. You weren't thinking about it. Or two, you may have been nervous at that time, even if it wasn't like to the point of a mental block or whatever the case is, but you may have been overthinking or whatever the case was. The thing is, what it comes down to, Jason, is you did not follow the formula. Mm-hmm. Now, you may have partly followed the formula. You may have rebounded up and tucked halfway, but does a half a tuck going to get you the tuck? (laughs) No. But if you fully tuck your legs, that's going to get you your tuck. So if you want a guarantee that you will not fall on your neck again, you have to control what's going on in your brain, which you can do. And then that is going to help you to control your tumbling pass whenever you do it. So you come out of your handspring 10 times out of 10. If you rebound up and you tuck your legs, it's going to equal a back tuck. And then what happens in the middle of the air whenever you get spooked and you feel that fear, that's the time whenever kids want to let out and they freak out and then they allow their emotions to control their performance. Mm-hmm. You cannot allow th- your emotional response to affect your physical reaction. You have to stay in control in your mind. Now, here's another thing that I say backwards and a lot of coaches say. You hear coaches say this all the time, and you, Jason, athlete that fell on your head years ago, you've heard so many people, tell me how many times you've heard someone say, man, if Jason would just get out of his head, he just needs to get out of his head. Just get out of your head, Jason. How many times have you heard that? Yeah, I hear about once a practice. Yeah, you hear it all the time. This is the thing. I don't want you to get out of your head. I want you to stay in your head because in in your head, up here in your brain, that is where the knowledge is. That is where you have control. Now, if you get out of your head, guess what's outside of your head? All of your emotions. Guess what else is outside of your head? Your mama talking about <laughs> how she's spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on private lessons for you and your coach is yelling at you to do this and all these other outside factors are outside of your head. But if you can stay within your head, that is where the knowledge is that's going to lead you to the promised land. So I want you to start reframing the way that you think about that. Don't get out of your head. Stay in your head because that's where the knowledge is. There we go. Dude. How do you feel? You feel like you could just get in the gym, do a round of handspring tuck now? I'm about to do it right now. I'm about to do it right now. I might do it tonight. No, I probably won't. But (laughs) (laughs) So this is the thing. Yeah. This is what this is what I want you to remember. When you go in there, you're going you are still going to have that fear. It's going to be there. You can't avoid it. You can't get around it. That fear is going to be there, but now you have the tools to think your way through it whenever you're in there. Yeah. So hopefully that scenario will in real time help some parents and help some athletes and some coaches kind of reframe the way that they approach mental blocks and yeah. how they talk to kids and tell them, you know, don't be, don't be afraid and all these different things that just don't work. I mean, historically yeah. they just don't work. So if you're doing, see a lot, a lot of things that I do, which is why I have so much success is I say the opposite of what kids are used to hearing. If every single coach tells them the same exact thing, they're going to get the same exact result. But then mm-hmm. I'm telling them, Hey, be scared. Hey, stay in your head. Hey, think about it. That's opposite of what they hear. So when they start doing those things, they get the opposite result, which is they start flipping or that's the, that's the goal at least, you know? There we go. Love it. All right, man. Here we go. That was M for Mental Blocks Party, people. (laughs) So (laughs) here we go. And I can tumble again. Yes. All right. So let's move on. We got N. So N is for new coaches. So what advice do you want to pass on to any new coaches listening out there? Uh, New coaches. I would say that goes back to 
K, which is knowledge. Continue to educate yourself as a coach. Learn from other coaches. A huge piece of advice that I would give to new coaches is don't be that hard coach, so to speak, or don't be that mean coach in order to try to gain respect. I see that happen too often. Uh, new coaches or young coaches, they're like, oh, I just got, I got to be hard on these kids in order for them to respect me. That does the opposite. They're just not going to like you. That's not going to cause them to respect you. So I would say if you want respect, you have to respect the athletes. And if you respect the athletes, you're going to get respect back out of them. Another thing I'm very big on is understanding your strength as a coach. For instance, myself as a tumbling coach, I always did well with helping kids that were scared of tumbling. Now, I wasn't, I was nowhere near the level that I am now when I first started my career, but I had a knack for it. And I realized, hey, you know what? I'm pretty good at helping kids that are scared to to do their skills. And so I continued to double down on that strength. And I mean, there's, I, I'm not saying don't work on the other aspects of being a coach, whether it's tumbling or stunting or all the other things, but, you know, really know what your strength is and mm-hmm. become the best at that part uh, would be my advice. So in any kind of organization, in any kind of team, in any kind of, uh, in any kind of coaching staff, there's different levels of coaches and one is not better or more important than the other. So if you are an assistant coach, you're starting at the very bottom of the totem pole, so to speak, be the best that you can be in that position because you are very important to the overall function of that team or to that gym or to that organization. Mm -hmm. So be okay with where you're at. It's not a rush just straight to the top because if you do that and you try to rush that process, you're not going to be the best that you can be. Like it's going to take time. So I'd say be patient. That would be, I would kind of wrap that whole thing up um, with that is, is be patient. There we go. If the whole body were an eye, where would the smelling be? Here we go. Come on. Oh, we got oh. So I, I, I'm this new coach and, you know, I'm trying to <clears throat> figure it out. I'm listening to all these different coaches and I'm hearing them talking about open shapes and, you know, you're open that time. You were closed. You had open shoulders. You had closed <laughs> shoulders, closed hips. What open, you know, what are we talking about? Open shapes. What is this? O for open, open shapes, open yes. positions so important in our more advanced tumbling classes here at tumble smart we start it's funny that this is one of the letters that you want to speak on because it's something that we talk about all the time but we start with open shoulders closed shoulders simply the kids standing up basically if i can kind of paint a visual for listeners if you hold your arms up uh, by your ears and they're just straight up by by your ears and then you kind of round and hollow out the upper part of your back and your arms slightly come in front of you um that would be closed shoulders and so there's a lot of times let's say for instance a kid comes out of their back handspring about to rebound into their tuck and they have closed shoulder position um their rebound might actually be pretty high it may be decent but it's gonna kill the overall flip in just the the ease of doing that back tuck or that layout it's gonna essentially cause them to to undercut the skill whenever they do it mm-hmm. so it's important that when they come out of their back handspring in in this case um that they finish with open shoulders so what open shoulders are if you would take that same position and then just 
open your arms all the way to your arms are back behind your ears and without arching your back over we want to make sure when we're hitting these positions that they're they're done tightly so opening your shoulders now this is the tricky situ this is the tricky part of the situation is you hear coaches all the time say hey get your arms up get your arms up um there's so many different ways of making sure that you do that and do it properly that it's important to go over the open and closed shapes with the shoulders, but then also, as you mentioned, with the hips. A huge thing that you see kids do on back handsprings, you see them flip over and look like a taco shell. The reason why they're mm -hmm. doing that is because when they jump over, they're not opening their hips up. So they jump back. They have to make sure that they get to a good, tight handstand position essentially with a tight arch they don't want to have a huge arch but they need to have open hips whenever they get to their handstand a good way of drilling that is just having an athlete kick up to a handstand against the wall have their hands back uh, about a foot or so with a nice arch in their back um, that won't give them mm -hmm. too much arch but just enough where it's a tight arch and then from there the way that you can train them to go from open keeping their hips open to not closing them too fast or too much is just falling to a push-up position. Uh, I'm sure mm -hmm. any experienced coach on here, they, they've had a kid do that drill at some point in time, but that's a really good one. Um, personally, and I would say I've really transitioned into this a lot more within the last couple of years, I, st I have been staying away from any kind of snap down um, as much as possible. So, I mean, like, handstand snap down and stuff, that's like a staple drill in the tumbling community. But um, mm -hmm. too often, that does teach kids to close their hips on back handsprings. And then it just, it, it keeps their hands on the ground as they're coming down. And then they just end up in this funky pike position. Um, mm -hmm. So, I would, I would then teach my kids to go from that open hips from the handstand. Think about falling to that push-up position. Then having a really strong... Uh, block in order to stand up but there we go that just kind of kind of sums up my thoughts on open and close shapes very important absolutely love it man levi you're killing it all right here we go let's move on out and let's go to power man so and let's end this with power tell us all you know i'm a new coach and you know my kids are just tumbling slow we just look weak and we need some more power so how p mm. is for power how can i generate mm -hmm more power, get my athletes to tumble with more power. Okay, the strongest, most powerful muscles in your body are your legs. Now I'm gonna start with standing because this is where I see a lot of kids lack power is on standing tumbling. If a kid comes in and they've been struggling on, whether it's their standing back handspring, their standing back tuck, their standing full, whatever standing skill they're doing, the, fir the first piece of advice I would give a kid before I even see any of, the before I even see the skill is I'll say, you need to use your legs more. Like no matter what, you need to use your legs more because your legs are the strongest, most powerful muscle in your body. If you use your legs more, that's where the power is going to generate from. Now there's other things from technique and using your arms and different things like that. But if you want just the most bang for your buck, use your legs. And I avoid saying whenever mm -hmm. I, a kid's doing, let's say that they're doing a back tuck, I'll avoid saying, hey, you need to jump harder or you need to go harder. Because too often what I see happen mm -hmm. is a kid will then just throw themselves over harder. So they'll do the wrong thing, just harder. So I help them have that <laughs> muscle-mind connection. I'll say, hey, I need you to use your legs. You'll rarely hear me say jump in the gym. I'll say use your legs so that they're making that connection. So um, that would be my first thing. And then another thing is I would say, prioritize strengthening over 
simply just conditioning. So actually mm-hmm. doing strengthening exercises, whether it is some level of weight training, doesn't mean that you have to have like some crazy intense gym that the kids are doing like deadlifts and squats and things like that. But some actual strength training as opposed to, hey, guys, we're just going to run around the gym 100 laps. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, that is important. The cardiovascular system, getting the heart up, those things are very, very, very important. Uh, but I would say in order to have power, you need to actually be strengthening the body. Um, if I had to break it down into three different parts of the body, I'd say legs, uh, core, mm-hmm. You hear coaches say all the time, you need to stay tight. And typically they're talking about staying tight in your core. You need to strengthen that core. That's the glute to your upper and lower body. You got to strengthen that core. And then three, I'd say shoulders because shoulders is where you block from and uh, so much happens in your shoulders. And then even with stunting and so many different things. So I would say strengthening those three different parts of the body and not just conditioning your kids. That is what's going to give them more Mm -hmm. power just in general as tumblers. There we go. Dude, Levi, you've been great. I know our listeners have enjoyed listening to you. So if they want to get in contact with you in the future or follow your journey, how can coaches reach out to you or parents reach out to you? Um, You know, let us know how we can stay connected with you. Yeah, man. All of the above, parents, coaches, athletes, I have things for all of you guys. Uh, anywhere on social media, at the Coach Levi. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram, Facebook, all those different things. Uh, something that I've, I'm very, very, very involved with and involved in is my online community. So it's separate from those different platforms. It's where I spend most of my time. And on there, I have resources. I have some uh, ebooks, audiobooks, video courses for everyone, for coaches, parents, and athletes, specifically helping people learn how to manage their fear. But it's not just primarily for kids that are like dealing with these extreme mental blocks or anything like that. But um, that's primarily what we do on there. So if you're interested as a parent athlete coach, make sure that you find my community on any one of my social media platforms. If you click on the link, it's the little link trees thing. Um, It'll pull up uh, my community and some other things that I have, but I would encourage anyone that wants to wants to learn more from me. Um, I would say get become a part of my community, and that would be a, a good place to start. But make sure you follow me everywhere go. too, all social media yeah, platforms. Man. The Coach Levi, the Coach Levi, it will be in the show notes. Levi, thanks for coming on the show, man. You're welcome back anytime. I appreciate that, bro. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for watching the Let's Talk to Your podcast. Definitely subscribe so you never miss out on anything from the show.